Welcome to I Caught It on Audio. This is Ride or Die Episode 9. The Smashing Pumpkins, Autumn. Hello and welcome to I Caught It on Audio. Today we are going to be doing our Ride or Die podcast and we're going to do another uh, revisit with the Smashing Pumpkins. We had originally done their whole catalog uh, about a year ago now, I think. I'm not sure exactly. It's been it's been a minute, that's for sure. Yeah. And they recently came out with the rock opera, um, and I don't know how you say it. Autumn. Autumn. Yeah. Autumn? Like the like season. season. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're. Um. So yeah, and um, it was a three-part release, if I'm not mistaken, eleven mm-hmm. songs in each of them. Um, and Zach, why don't you uh, why don't you give us a little information on this, and then we'll get going. Okay, so th- this was first announced um, a while back, like a uh, couple couple years, I believe. And uh, I remember just kind of like rolling my eyes, like seriously, you know. <laughs> Uh, here we go. A sequel to Melancholy and Machina. Um, what are you thinking, Billy? You know, and of course, at that time, it, it was sort of, it was, I think it was right around or right after when Seer was released in 2020. Um, right. So it was, uh, it was kind of like coming off of that. Um, and the, the, the more, most recent output, which was in my mind and what we addressed in the last podcast that, uh, not so great, you know, a lot of, a lot of misses, um, very few hits for the, for, let's say probably the last, uh, decade, um, of, of their output, uh, maybe even closer to two decades. Um, but yeah. it, uh, you know, it was just kind of like went in my mind and kind of went out and I, sort of ignored it and said, no, I'll see what, what happens when it, when it comes around. And then the, uh, the first single came out beguiled. And I remember just kind of, um, thinking, yeah, this is, I I don't know about this. You know, it it had, it had these weird, it was, it was very guitar driven, um, which, you know, of course is more interesting probably to you guys than, than the, uh, the synth stuff, synth pop. Um, and and it's interesting to me too, but, uh, I, I like, I like, kind of a, a range of, of the sounds. I like the synth pop. I like the, the rock. I like the heavy metal stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just kind of like set it aside and kind of forgot about it. And, uh, and then the first act came out and I listened to the whole thing through and I thought, this is okay. You know, it's, um, I just, I'm not really getting a sense of, of what the bigger picture is. You know, it's, it would be kind of like going into a museum or a, a, you know, an art museum and you're, and you're looking only at like a third of a, of a painting. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, so I just kind of like shelved it and put it aside and kind of, you know, whatever, just, uh, forgot about it. And then, um, then it finally, the second act came out and again, I, you know, I listened to it once and I was like, and I just, I, I want to wait for the full, the full thing. So it finally came out in May, uh, May 5th. Uh, I was delayed, I think by like a week or two, um, for production or whatever. I don't know. There was, there was some sort of, uh, limited edition pre-order that, that was on, um, on, uh, uh the, the 
tea house, uh, Madame Zuzu's uh, tea emporium or whatever that uh, Billy's wife owns and and he co-owns. And um, and this pre-order was like this gigantic vinyl box set, five hundred dollars. Uh, signed by all the band members and included like an extra 10 tracks um, on a, on a bonus, a uh, bunch of bonus vinyls. And um, it was, uh, it, it was, you know, it was, it was this like grandiose thing. And, and, and once the, once the release, I, I didn't buy that, mind you, <laughs> I'm, I'm not willing to spend $500 on, on the pumpkins. Um, but when it finally came out, I did decide to buy the CD because one of, one of the things was as I was listening to the, um, the streaming version on YouTube music, uh, I was just thinking, well, if I really want the true experience, I want to have, I want to kind of feel like what things were back when, you know, when I enjoyed melancholy or Siamese dream, you know, you had right. the physical thing in your hand and you could look at the booklet and stuff like that. So I, I went out and I got the, the CD and then I realized I don't have anything to play it. <laughs> and uh, so I listened to the first disc in the car and then I tried to, so, you, you know, know you plugged the P- PS5 into the into the tape deck and then <laughs> yeah yeah and it's, radio tuned it in it's yeah. it's just so funny how physical media is is really not you know not a thing I and know. now i now i kind of want to like sell it and so i don't have to like store it as well but um <laughs> right. but no it's it's got pretty decent artwork uh it the booklet doesn't have any lyrics in it strangely enough it just has like um uh, stuff about the songs, like a little bit of background, just a couple, a couple sentence blurbs. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool because, so what's going on with this album is it's sort of this, this grandiose concept album as, as is in the name, a rock opera and three acts. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just this grandiose sci-fi, uh, story about this elderly rock star. Um, and I don't really know what goes on beyond that. It, it's, I didn't really want to delve too much into the details of the story. Cause it's one of those things like I, this, I've had the same thing with like Coheed and Cambria. Um, they, they have these grandiose sci-fi stories. I don't really care that much. It's cool that that sort of ties all the songs and the themes together. Um, but to me, it's more about the music. And, and once I actually dug into the music on this one, uh, I've listened to it over 10 times now. And I think, I think it's, it's a really solid album. I, I like it. I, I don't like it, you know, as much as, as the old stuff. Um, but I think it, it has a, a pretty decent place in the pumpkins discography. And I really like what's going on with, you know, with, uh, how some of the acts function a little bit differently than the other ones. And it all really flows together. Well, I mean, it's, it's over, it's like about over two and a half hours worth of music somewhere on there. And, um, and it's, it doesn't feel like it. Uh, when I'm listening to it, it, it flows really, really well from start to finish. Uh, it has some, some, some smaller, like softer sides, some more acoustic-y type of stuff. It has some more driving, like really heavy stuff with like really chugging guitars. It has some definite synth pop kind of ballady type things. Um, but overall my take is I, I really like it. And, and I, I think I even like it more than, um, Seer than, than I liked Seer before this. Um, so I'm wondering what you guys think about it. Let's, let's start with you, Dave. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, on this massive 33 song epic? Um, well, I was, I was reluctant to, uh, to get into this one. Um, it did not appeal to me because the last few Smashing Pumpkins, entries were pretty mediocre um, as we talked about in the last podcast they uh they're not my style it's it's too much of the synth pop too much um 
just my synth can be good, but what I fear it will happen is it's just someone who has no one to play with in their studio recording layer on layer on layer of synth and synth and synth and synth. And when it gets to that, it, it loses, loses all utility to me. Yeah. Um, this honestly didn't feel like that for most of it. There are a mm-hmm. few, few songs here and there where there's like laser sound effects. Um, I, I don't remember which track it was, but, um, and, and extra things that just didn't need to be on the track. And it, it, had they not been there, the track would have been decent. Yeah. But, um, that aside, I thought there were some awesome rock songs on this album. I really liked, um, uh, da, da, da. and this one's, this one was more of the, the acoustic, but springtimes, um, oh. was just a great song. I would listen to that one over and over because I wanted to get get more and more into it. So I, um, it just had this. It started off with the synth, or I don't know what, what instrument exactly, and then it switches uh, moods to an acoustic guitar, and then then the electric uh, guitar solos over top of it, and it's got this it's a deep um, deep bass rumblings in it, and it's it's a really 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 well written song. I thought. Um, and uh, yeah, I think overall, this is, I would say it's top five uh, Pumpkins albums for me. Um, Dan, where, uh, where, where are you sitting on this one? So I think that this is uh, definitely a, a step better than my memory of, of much of the, uh, the new, new to me Pumpkins albums, last handful of, of albums. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just checking here. Oh yeah, yeah, I am dumb. I uh, I took notes for every single song. Like my last listen through, I just sat there with a notebook. Oh, and wow. um, you mentioned Springtime. I was like, oh, let me see what I thought of that. And on that one, I wrote the wrong title. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, where is it? Uh, no, I found it. Um, uh, I I like that. Oh, no, no, uh, I did not like that one. Springtimes. Thought, and, and again, <laughs> I'm fine with you being wrong about your opinion. But... <laughs> yeah, my opinion is wrong. Uh, the thing. I, my note on that one is um, that the guitar doesn't really gel with the synths very well on that one for me. Um, now, see, I had a lot of trouble with that one with that at first too, but I think it's it's a transition piece. It's it's the end of the second act. Um, we're we're going from the uh, from the synth. I think the second act's kind of synth heavy, if I'm not mistaken, and then in the third act, it um, it, it shifts to more. To more mm-hmm. mellow and um i think it's a good transition piece for that yeah if my memory serves that does sort of switch to more guitar heavy uh as the track goes on um uh but yeah i i would this is like you said zach this is a mix of I, I would say there's four styles on this um three main ones you got the synth which is more of the the recent uh you know billy uh obsession and then you've got like the sort of like traditional pumpkins, like alt rock sound. And then you've got the sort of more metal, you know, uh, type sound, sort of like more like the song zero, you know, uh, mm-hmm. off of melancholy, that sound that sort of like, you know, chugging and, you know, uh, and uh, palm muting and stuff. Um, and then the, the last category is just like goofy weirdness, uh, like a song like hooray. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know for. Hooray is, is this an Owl City song? 
<laughs> my my note for hooray was um probably exactly what they wanted it to be i hated it yeah um sounded like the worst part of the musical yeah i uh i had that yeah is it an owl city song this is weird but the outro was my favorite part of that one um there were a couple other ones that were just they were just goofy uh, which is fine you know it's especially mm-hmm. if you're doing a rock opera it, yeah. it's, it, it, it makes sense um i uh so yeah, I, I it did all those things. I think um, predominantly the first three, um, but he did have a nicer mix. Then Seer was was a little synth heavy. I think my uh, my complaints um, about the synth songs is not that I dislike them for the most part. I find them pleasant, but kind of forgettable and samey sounding. Like the fewer I hear, the more I like them. But when I start when when there's I don't know, there's probably at least a dozen like synth driven songs uh, on this out of the thirty three. And by the end, my notes were stuff like, is this the same synth sound from earlier? And, mm-hmm. oh, this synthy sound again. Okay. And they, I mean, that might be a matter of time and they might step out more. But the other thing that I often noticed with, uh, with the synth song is Billy is singing not particularly memorable melodies. And they're all in the same like tone range, like the same three or four notes. And I, I found I had trouble telling the songs apart um, the further I got through the album. So I really have nothing negative to say about the synth stuff. I just I, I, there's very few of those that I disliked, but there's very few of those that jumped out at me. Um, that's that's for sure. So what about um, Jimmy's drumming? Uh, how did you guys oh, feel about it. that? I, I was when, very happy when he was drumming. When right. he cut when he cut loose, it was yeah fucking fantastic. Yeah, um, like uh, I think the culling had some pretty good uh, drum stuff going on there. Um, intergalactic, yeah, yeah had a whole bunch of and bunch of drumming going on there, yep. and you could yep. definitely tell because it, you know I, I'm not Moss. I'm not saying that he didn't play. Yep, definitely Moss. Moss, uh, Moss is, a, is one of my favorite ones. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but like you can definitely tell because it, it's uh, I'm not saying he didn't play the drums on the whole album, but I think may what may have happened is like, you know, he he gets behind the drum kit. They record all of his, you know, his tracks. And then maybe Billy goes in there and just starts like turning off like the the hi hats or something, because, you know, like that's that's one of the biggest, biggest things I noticed is like on um, I can't remember which one. I think it was intergalactic maybe, or it might've been the calling, but there's all these like little tiny, like, like, like really subtle, uh, hi-hat hits, you know, where it's like little type of stuff. And that then, you know, on, but the vast majority of songs, it's just like, you know, just like it could be done by a robot, you know? And right. I, I don't understand really if that's, if that's the, what Billy's going for when he won't, you know, wants to produce it that way. Or, um, if it's, if he's just, I, I just, uh, I don't get it. Like, I, I really feel as if Jimmy is not all there, you know, when he shows up, it's like, yay, Jimmy's back, you know? Right. Uh, but then on the rest of the songs, it's just kind of like, where's Jimmy? Where's my Jimmy? You know? Well, I, uh, yeah. I, I heard a little interview at some point a while back. I think it was, it was around Seer era um, where Jimmy said, Hey, we're, we want to do different things. You know, I want to try different stuff. And, you know, it was basically sort of a defense of, probably people's you know, older fans bitching about their sound and the, the sort of like drum, you know, the, the sort of like looped drum beat feel that 
is more yeah. common, you know, uh, these yeah. days. Um, and he basically said, you know, we don't want to do the same thing. Or I don't want to do the same thing over and over again. Uh, there were a few, there were a few songs on, uh, that, that I made note of where it's clearly real drums. Yeah. Like you can tell, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's entirely robotic. There's almost no fills mm-hmm. and it's, it's like, there was one song I can't remember which, but it was literally just bass on one snare on three, mm-hmm. the entire song. And I was like, what, yeah. what, what's, uh, what's going on? Like, I don't know. Like you, you, you should do what you want when you're, when you're writing. And I understand the desire of change, but man, what a, what a loss to yeah. these songs. Another For- good example, beguiled. Yeah. Why did we need that? Like, like a uh, Casio keyboard snare sound at the intro. <laughs> Yeah. Like whenever it dropped off to just the guitar and it was like, doom, doom, you know, it was like the really crappy fake sounding like drum loop. I was like, and then the drums come in and you're like, oh yeah, why don't you just do that with like a yeah. rim shot or something exactly. right. or like a, like a, you know, like a, like a, like a, like a, uh, a stick hit or something, something. I don't know. Uh, it's, but when he, when he, when he cuts loose, you're like, awesome. Like yeah. this, this is, <laughs> I love Billy's side of the band and James, you know, and when Darcy back in the old days was allowed to, you know, do stuff, I'm sure she contributed as well. But I mean, the secret sauce for the pumpkins is the drumming. Um, yeah, me. without a doubt. Uh, and it's 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 really there sometimes. And then sometimes it's non-existent and sometimes he's doing it. But maybe it's his personal choice or what Billy's asking him to do. I don't know, but it seems yeah. like a missed opportunity for me. Well, cause you think of, you know, bands like rush or tool and it's like, they have such a great rhythm section and the drummer mm-hmm. is so incredible. It's like, you don't, you don't mute those tracks. You don't turn those tracks off or replace it with a drum machine, you know? Right. So it, it like, even if, Billy wanted something robotic sounding or whatever. Uh, I feel like you always get Jimmy behind that kit and you get him to do something and you just let him loose, let him do his thing. And if it's, it doesn't work, push him in a different direction or something, ask him to try something new. Think about a 1979 on melancholy. Mm. Those are pretty robotic drums. I mean, it's a cool drum part, but he's not doing fills and, and like the jazzy, you know, feel stuff like he's doing in, you know, in, you know, like uh, cherub rock or, or, or muzzle, or, you know, I'm only referencing old songs because those are the ones I really care about. You can see here, (laughs) but like, he's not going crazy on 1979. He's playing a really straightforward, almost robotic uh, track, but it's still kind of great, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's really precise, but like, it's kind of the perfect thing. He could be doing stuff like that. But again, I don't know if it's his choice. Maybe he's leaning into what Billy would like him to do. Maybe he's just bored playing, you know, cool drum rolls. I don't know. Uh, yeah. He certainly does it sometimes uh, on, on this album, but not as much as he could. <laughs> what about the, uh, what do you guys think about the lyrical content? Uh, I, I, to me, there were times where it was very poetic and natural and even like Shakespearean, like elegance. And then there were some major oof moments like, uh, embracer. Where I, I realize, I realize said the knife to the spoon, you know, <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> He's yeah, always had some it? bizarre stuff in his lyrics. Yeah. Um, I uh, uh, yeah, a star I, way, uh, uh, where 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 rain fall must fall a starway to the stars. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's just I mean, it wasn't yeah. like terrible, terrible, but it was just like 
is this really working for what you're trying to evoke? I, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, there were times when it really worked great. Like I love the syncopated uh, chorus, ba- uh, female backing chorus on like um, uh, Pacer. Um, where like she, she's saying something that's kind of like has this weird rhythmic echo going mm-hmm. on and, and Billy is saying s- something like, uh, if in the heart or something like that, then she says something else that kind of like reverberates in the background. I thought that was really cool and very unique and different. Um, I, I can't really s- pick out what she was saying, but I had to go and look up the lyrics, but, um, but I thought that was, that was kind of cool. Like where, how it was how they were doing kind of some of the lyrical motifs. Yeah. I, I deliberately didn't go look up the lyrics. Um, after we, uh, just went through Weezer seasons. Uh, yeah. And the lyrics were terrible in that one, <laughs> like 28 bad, bad. songs, maybe three were listenable lyrics. And, um, so I didn't, I didn't deliberately go listen to the lyrics. So I let myself not understand it and just listen to the singing, uh, for, for its, for that aspect of it but the the stuff that i could you know grab onto i didn't i didn't have any major problems with other than like the the palindrome palindrome thing that Mm. he was that that's kind of stuck wrong in me and then all of hooray every every aspect of hooray i don't ever need to hear again (laughs) you really you really did not like that one i did not like that one so in the little booklet it was talking about how it's like some of the characters are are going to this like uh defunct like carnival um amusement park or something yeah so i I mean it it got what it was going for i think yeah and and that that's why i said it's probably exactly what they wanted wanted the song to sound like i just hate it yeah 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 i would say the 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 lyrics for the most part didn't jump out i do remember the palindrome thing because that i was like that's a weird weird thing to sort of repeat here but you know okay um i also found um one of one of the songs i really disliked was uh sojourner Mm -hmm. but i don't think it was the lyrics it was how he pronounced sojourner in the song <laughs> he kept saying i so jenna you know or something yeah. like that and it, yeah. i found it very distracting and annoying so that's well, that was one of my least favorite songs that's um, that's the one that had palindrome palindrome in it, I is, believe. That, is that in that one also i i'd believe it I, I did not like that one that was on my my shit list um for this uh for, for this uh rock opera but i the, the weezer thing was you couldn't it's it was too audible it was too awkward yeah and and just just didn't sound interesting this it all kind of mixed in the back but if you go look through the lyrics of the songs that you love from the from the 90s you find some some stuff where you're like that's that's awkward but all oh, right absolutely you know absolutely. That's, i don't feel like there's a big drop off for yeah. the most part in this album from right. his previous lyrics for me no, I I agree. The uh, it's not uh, categorically worse than than the good, the stuff that I listened to affectionately from the nineties. There's absolutely. I do think he sang zero the word zero yes. too many times a uh, lot all well, over the place. Zero I know it's a character, right? Yeah, yes. yeah, but you don't need to evoke that all the time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. I, so one of the things I was thinking about is. Um, uh, it, it's given that this is a sequel f- to Melancholy and Machina, I'm kind of surprised that there aren't any either lyrical motifs or um, musical phrases that 
he we brought back from that right. era you know just so, something little that's uh, and i'm not saying there like were, were fan service member berries type stuff um but i'm saying like you know bring something bring something back to the to the fold that uh that it like oh that well that's what kind of what that's that area is re- referencing or referring back to you know because when it's when it's this completely separate uh entity it it, it feels like it's um it's too far out there and and I, I don't really know you know what's the connection supposed to be uh you said you said that you noticed some references there were some some lyrical references okay um, like uh do sex machina and stuff like that all right yeah yep. and then the whole zero thing i mean zero is a character from melancholy yeah also so um, yeah i mean the zero is the one that jumped out uh, i know glass is the character in machina yeah. Yes. I don't remember hearing glass very often. And I think he's yeah. supposed to be named shiny now, which was confusing right. to me because shiny and also bright. That makes me wonder if that's what that was about. I right. think it was. Yeah. Um, it's, it's supposed to be this elderly, like 70 or 80 year old, uh, old rock, rock musician. God, probably what kind of like a, a future, a future embodiment of what Billy is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, from what I gathered from the, from the story and stuff is like, he he's on his ship called autumn and he's been living on that for like two decades or whatever out in space because he's been exiled from the world, something along those lines. I don't know. It's, um, but yeah, shiny is definitely definitely the character and he was he previously referred to as glass and previously referred to as zero before that yeah. so it's all the same character just yep. with different names and your your comparison to coheed and cambria is apt um i know it's very elaborate and um there's a story in there but i i don't care or ever ever figured out the details yeah. and it does not reduce the, the the enjoyment of the music it, it's like it's think. just it's just esoteric enough to, for for me to not not get it you know like it's yeah. it's right right on the line of of uh, you know is sort of like uh it's i don't know it, it's it's like it, it's all from his head and he gets it and that's fine and and then everybody else just kind of interprets it their own way. Although I will say this, while I was listening to this a couple of times, I had like this visions of Billy on Broadway doing this, doing this whole thing, you know, like in all these yeah. different getups and stuff. And I, I kind of want him to turn it into a Broadway musical. <laughs> Like, honestly, it feels like that's what uh, what he's going for. Even if he just did it like one, like a one-off, like he's doing the full thing one right. time only. Boom! I think that would be so amazing. The uh, the video for Beguiled was very much in that sort of operatic, you know, uh, sort of visual mode. Yeah. There was a lot of sort of costuming and stuff. Speaking of Beguiled, the fir- the first thing that that we said after you sent me the link for it, Zach, was. Hey, isn't that Harvester of Sorrow from <laughs> Justice for All Metallica? It's yeah. it's it's the same riff. It really except is. for the song doesn't change as much. And the the riff is very, very it's a cool sounding riff. I mean it's very derivative of that, but you know, whatever. Everyone steals yeah. from everybody, it's okay. But it it repeated a lot in that song. And right. I, that song didn't work as well for me for that reason. 
I think it, I think it's better in the context of the album where where it's positioned, and, and I do really like the uh, the soloing on it. Yes, um, I think the the kind of layered solos Absolutely. with the harmonizing yep. is it's pretty interesting. Drums are um, great on that one. Um, so, what, what were yeah. you guys' favorite favorite song? Like if you pick one song from this whole collection of thirty three, what what would you say it is? Uh, mine, as I said earlier, would be Springtimes with okay. a close second with Moss. Okay. Um, I, I also liked, uh, let's see what else I have. I liked the little intro, Autumn. Yeah, song. I thought that was a Pink fun. Floyd type exactly. of feel. Yeah. That, that was, for me, uh, that was an overture for the album, not in musical themes or lyrical themes. I was thinking no, there was no, no lyrics, but in sort of tones. It had a little bit of... Right to hint at everything that you're going to hear sonically for exactly. the next 32 songs. It, it's set yeah. up exactly that. Yeah. This is, this is where we're going with this, with this uh, album. So buckle up because it's going to be a wild ride. Um, and there were a couple other good ones. I liked uh, Avalanche. I liked Empires. Um, the Culling. Yeah. That was good. But yeah, my, I would say my favorite is Springtime. Springtime and Moss stood out mm-hmm. for me as Higher, so but best too. as i mentioned springtime didn't work for me as well uh mm-hmm. my list of good songs i i sort of I, I rated them as good meh and i did not like that um my good ones are are autumn the good and goodbye i really liked um and then i also like avalanche and empires uh and moss those i i think the second act the middle third is my favorite yeah, um, i think so too and then yep. space age was cool uh, and so was every morning. And then I also liked in lieu of failure, Cenotaph or Cenotaph. I don't know how you pronounce that. And then intergalactic was, I, I thought it was a slight letdown, a, a dragging part in the sort of back third of intergalactic. But overall, I thought that was a really cool, big, epic pumpkin song. Um, those mm-hmm. are my favorites, which specific one. I don't know. Those are the, those are the 10 songs that I was like, yes, I like that. If you're, if you trimmed, if you if you burned me that album, I, I'd be like, wow, this is really good Latter Day Pumpkins. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, Dave, you know, this is maybe in their top five. I would say this that if I trimmed those out, that would be in the top five. Um, and then I had about ten songs I didn't like, and then the other thirteen were like, oh, pretty good, you know, like, nah, not doesn't jump out, but yeah, no, nothing to complain about. Good enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, like totally yeah. fine. How about you, Zach? Which were uh, your which one stood out for you? I absolutely loved Night Waves. Uh, that one, it, it's it's something about the the melodies that he sings, but also like the really jangly, echoey guitar rhythms, which I'm I'm pretty sure it's guitar. I mean, it could very well be um, keyboard synth as well. But um, there there was uh, like a, a very like almost identical to uh, some craftwork uh, song, an arpeggio. I think at the beginning of it that that it rubs me the wrong way. And in fact, I think that's kind of one of one of his downfalls when he's doing the synth stuff is if you're gonna do an arpeggio like do something interesting with it you know have it bounce around in weird ways that hasn't happened before don't just go up and down up and down and have it loop over and over and over again that's exactly Um, it on on night waves my note is this is samey sounding like i I feel like it wasn't original i heard it before all the other stuff i might have liked it more yeah so if he, if he would have kind of downgraded the arpeggios, it would have, yeah. it would have been even better song for me, but I really, really liked that one. And then Moss was, was hugely, yep. I just love the groove. The groove is so great. And, and the, the, I made a note that the soloing is fantastic in a cheap kind of way, um, yeah. because it is, it, it's, it, it's really, it's really like 
you know, normally if I, if I heard that in some other like pop rock song, I, I'd be like, yeah, this is, this is not good. Cause it's really simplistic soloing, but it, it just works for the song. And, and it, and it's, uh, it's just <laughs> such a great, like driving groove. Uh, I really, really like that one. And, and I agree with you guys. I think the second, second act is the strongest of all of them. I think from start to finish, it really, it really just has the, the nice arc going there. Yeah, I I had a, a, for a couple of songs. My note was, is this a really good Pumpkins like riff, or am I just starved for Pumpkins riffs? Period. Like guitar riffs. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't yeah. sure, but I liked it, and that's I have that specifically on um, on Empires, where I was like, this is awesome. It reminded me of Muse a little bit. Yeah. And that, but I was like, am I just? Is it just anything where Billy Corgan's voice plus uh, you know uh, a Pumpkins sounding riff? It makes me really happy. I think so. And my note on Moss also was, hey, the vocals are different sounding. Like yeah. I was running into a lot of Finally. Yeah. this. You could move vocals. So you could swap vocals and songs and they would work feeling, mm-hmm. um, especially on the synthy stuff. And that there was a little bit of vocal change there. And I think when you mentioned earlier, Zach, that they were getting some background singers involved. I thought that that I'm not a huge fan of background singers. Broadly speaking, it feels like a, a little like latter day Pink Floyd, like sort of a cheap shortcut for prog progish sounding you know gospel prog but which is the weirdest description for pink floyd i think i've ever uh come up with (laughs) that's what waters was going for yeah and then they they really sort of embraced it as sort of a shortcut you know after waters left i think like oh we gotta have some female backing vocals here but it was different and uh i think when it's 33 tracks and a lot of your vocal lines are don't stand out from each other i think it it you really you really really get excited about something different. Yeah. Now, speaking of the vocals, um, what are you guys' thoughts on the quality of Billy's voice at this point in his career? It's something that we've been talking about uh, with the uh, U2 um, in our Is This Song Good series, and uh, we t- touched on it with uh, uh, Rivers in the, uh, our last uh, Ride or Die. I think he's a better singer. Like he, he can, he's more competent in singing, but I think it's definitely losing some of the smoothness. It's got, um, uh, well, I don't know. Cause I mean, like it used to, he used to really do that growl, snarly raspiness mm-hmm. back in the day. And that, that's also something that I kind of miss. I wish he would bring that back because that I really want that kind of yeah. snarling and and yeah like you said that uh, it is very very samey throughout the whole thing yeah. um but dan what do you think about about his his voice now well he's he's 56 um and rivers was like early 50s and bono was early 60s right. so they're all kind of getting close to that range i think his voice is sounds good for what he's trying to do you're right i think i didn't really think about sort of sort that out when I was thinking about how his singing was going uh, as I was listening, because that, that popped into my head like, oh, you know, actually sounds pretty good. But it seems like he's really narrowed his um, what he's trying to do. He doesn't yeah. do the the snarling or the screaming anymore. And that's hard on your voice. So fair yeah. enough. Yeah, absolutely. Also, I'm getting less of the really like swooning falsetto stuff, which I love. Um, he yeah. has such such a distinctive and I can understand someone saying annoying voice i've never felt that way but i started to feel that way a bit more recently with this stuff not because it's bad but because it's monotonous and it's and it's sort of what he's trying to do 
there's only yeah. so much of that you can take. It's, and it's very nasally, which, you know, that cuts through nicely, but you don't really need that cut through when you don't have like 64 guitars stacked up on Soma or, or Rocket, right. you know, or today. You don't need to cut through. So you're you're cutting through synths pretty easy here, Billy. You don't really need to, to have that style as much. Um, but yeah, it, his voice is still there. It's not like with Bono, I was like, oh, yikes. Um, you need to change your approach if you want to like, I mean, I'm cool with you know, like old, you know, sort of like a more Leonard Cohen, you know, or, you know, um, or, or Johnny Cash switch over to weathered, you know, uh, booze and cigarettes voice. You got to admit that that's where you need to go. And I don't feel like he's admitted that to himself yet. Um, it's not in that range. Um, but I I don't get as much joy out of his vocals as I used to. Yeah, I think almost because I was just thinking about like how great Disarm is and how he how he sings that one uh, on Siamese Dream. And and I think what it maybe comes down to is he he pushed out a lot more passion in his singing back then. And I think Mm -hmm. now it's maybe a little bit more by the numbers. It's just like, okay, well, I got to do a vocal track. Here we go. Boom, boom, boom. You know, get it done. Oh, I got to make sure I'm singing in key. And I think, I think back in those days, it was more about like, he was trying to get an emotion out there and an emotion across in the music. And I think that's much more relatable and, and out of, you know, I'm not going to like mm. begrudge him as, as a musician and stuff. Cause it's like, you got to get stuff done and, and make things work. Um, but I, I'd kind of prefer that type of singing where like you just go into the booth and you just pour your heart out rather than like, Oh, well, I got to get this track done. Yeah. Cause there's 32 more waiting in the, you know, <laughs> waiting right. in the wings. Um, that's so a great point. Know. That's a great point because no one could ever say that he is a uh, technically or traditionally, you know, great singer. He just isn't. But what he did do back, you know, starting with Gish um, was found a way to take advantage of his voice by doing unconventional things to express emotion very strongly. Um, yeah. He found a way to do that. And I don't know that he's doing that anymore. Now he just has a distinctive but non-passionate voice. And that's maybe on a 10 album you know uh a 10 track album that works that works well but it, there was just not enough variety for me on, on this one dave yeah. would, you, would you have anything else oh you, you guys nailed it all i mean he definitely doesn't have the emotion that uh that i loved from melancholy and uh and um siamese dream that you know the the stuff that made those songs just so powerful I mean, I need a so, into the eyes of the jackal. I say kaboom every once in a while. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the world is a vampire. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, that's kind of how he sings now. Everything just with a little less venom, you know, right? Yeah. Exactly. He's in that the, vocal range all the time, but it and, doesn't. But and that song, it jumped out because it was like solo voice opening to the song and it really cut through and it was like, ooh, OK. But now it's like just lay it on top of some synths and, you know, it mm-hmm. sounds uh, much like the song that i heard before you know yeah Yeah. and i i wonder how much of it is you know it's you're not the young punk uh rock star uh trying to make a name for yourself anymore and you're you know you're this guy who's successful and he's there's been no shortage of success for the smashing pumpkins and um you don't have that edge in your in your body anymore you know it's just it's just gone because now you're comfortable it's like it's like when a rapper is no longer a rapper and becomes a police officer on a TV show. 
<laughs> because they're they're happy. They've they've got comfort and money, and they don't have that uh, that edge that they had when they were when they were young. You know, are you are you saying he's past his cop killer phase at this point? <laughs> <laughs> he might be a little. <laughs> Billy uh, Corgan might be past the cop killer. He's on, his, stage, he's on his SVU phase at this point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right. That, that's I'm actually <laughs> quite apt. I think now that I think, let's say it out loud. <laughs> I was watching a, a little interview that he did recently uh, this morning on YouTube, and he was talking about how, you know, in the early days when people told him, no, don't do that, that doesn't, that's not gonna, that's not gonna work out, that, that's a bad idea. And he ignored them and did it. And then it was successful. That sort of, he was saying that it kind of gave him license to, yeah. to kind of go his own way and doing his, his own thing. And I think that's great. But I also think you still need to have, I, either your own voice in your head or other people telling you like, Hey, let's try, let's try this. Let's try that. Like you can't be so full of yourself that you're never going to listen to other people's opinions. And that's kind of what he was, was saying in the interview. It's like, I don't really care what anybody says because I did, I did bad things before and it turned out okay for me. So I'm yeah. done. That's, that's yeah. all that matters. We've, we've talked about this a lot before, but anytime you see that the album was self-produced, I, I always, it sometimes it works right. White stripes. It worked amazing. Smashing pumpkins. The, the, he needs that extra voice in there. You know, the, yeah. the best smashing pumpkins albums are ones that have a producer in the room to, uh, to balance it out. So. Right. Yeah. You know, I, what, what I was just looking here. I'm guessing that zeitgeist is where, no, that was produced with Terry date, which makes sense. Cause it's super heavy. He's a <laughs> metal dude, you know, like, um, I think he 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 might have produced on like Slayer and and you know and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so Zeitgeist is that. But eh, I'm just looking for when he transitioned over to everything by himself because he got a co-producer on all the way up through Monuments to an Elegy. Was it Shiny? No, Rick Rubin was that. What Rick Rubin was the producer on? Shiny? That's right. We <laughs> talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> it started with Sear, which. Yeah, is where we were like, this is probably I don't know. I my memory is that that was the worst one. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's actually accurate or not. Um, but Zach, you, you liked that one, right? Because yeah, it leans I into like the synth. I felt it was a little, it was a little too heavy on songs. Like it didn't need to have that many songs. But I was perfectly okay with the with the synth, and I, and I liked a lot of the stuff that he was doing on it. Uh, but I've always liked the synth pop stuff. Like I, I I've was in love with his Future Embrace solo album that was all synth and him only. Mm-hmm. But but like your guys were saying before, um, t- to me, Sear is 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 really just another Billy Corgan solo album. I mean, there, he's got right. you know all the other people playing on it, so it says in the liner notes. But it really feels like it's his his thing. And if it's going to be the Smashing Pumpkins, I feel like you know you should have more of the band sound. Like you can certainly add in synths and stuff here and there but of course at least make it sound like everybody's playing an instrument at some point you know yeah and of course yeah. he can do whatever he wants he's got enough money and and you know he's he's uh written classic albums and a bunch of like forever songs on the radio so he can do what he wants it's clearly his band you know it always has been um yeah. he's always been driving the bus i do think that having a second voice makes better art um when it comes to music yeah. um for Absolutely. listenability, you know, maybe, 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 uh, autumn is, is higher art than Gish. I don't know, but I'd rather listen to Gish. I can tell you that much. <laughs> um, so I don't know, like I, to me having that second, like you said, Dave, 
when it's just when it's just when a band transitions to we're going to self-produce everything i'm like uh well okay well, i'm sure yeah. it makes sense from it a business standpoint out. because if you don't have to pay rick rubin to come in and do do his producing thing then you're well, gonna you're gonna yeah. save some money and make more once you actually release it sure um, I, I did have a, tr- a chance to listen to the uh, 10 extra tracks that are called yeah, yeah. Zo- Zodion at Crystal Hall. And man, there are some bangers on there. It's 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 actually pretty decent. Like I thought it was just going to be kind of like B-side extra junk. And and it, there are a couple on there that felt kind of like airplane flies high level of okay. quality. Let me um, get out my $500 and... Yeah, go buy that then. Okay. Well, I mean, I think I think they said it was going to be available uh, about a year after the the release, so probably okay. like next May it should show up on streaming services. I'm, oh, nice. I'm assuming that'll be good. Um, but also in that interview I was listening to this morning, he said that uh, they had they had about 80 songs lined up uh that they were working on when they whittled it down to 33 so it's very likely that we're gonna get more more pumpkins very soon you know you know who every time there's a there's a band this is true with weezer it was true with um chili peppers chili peppers where they're just like we have a hundred songs i'm always like "Uh oh Uh -oh." (laughs) like that means you have 95 bad songs (laughs) and then they end up so they had they had what you said 80 80 songs yeah 80 Um, 80 something they put out 43 you know and i feel like 20 track if you if you made this this album say 20 to 25 tracks um autumn uh, if you if you included all out of the forty three songs, you you chose the best two thirds. You'd yeah. have a really good album, you know. And maybe you shook up the the variety of the of the sound a little bit. But instead, they're just like, nah, let's go maximalist because look how many songs we have. On Weezer's always that way. We're like, oh, we wrote a ton of songs, and I'm like, well, you should have you should have come taken ideas from the hundred songs and mushed them together so these songs weren't so forgettable. Um, yeah. and that's certainly true of latter day, um, uh, red hot chili peppers where you're like, oh, yeah. cool. Like none of these are bad. And that's how I, f- I feel about this. The way I feel about, um, sort of, uh, stadium arcadium. I'm like, you know, there aren't any real bad songs on here. And there's also a full album of great songs, but you yeah. had to put out 30 songs. Right. So right. it dilutes the product. And I don't know. I feel like self-editing whether it's in production or in choices for how many songs go on the album would probably benefit these bands. Yeah. Well, you know, in this case with autumn, I'm not that I'm okay with the number of songs on this. There, there are definitely a couple like hooray and um, what was it? Uh, I think like uh, to the grays. Um, There were a couple in there that I was just kind of like, eh, you know, I, but, but it's, it's sort of, when you're doing this kind of rock opera thing, it's kind of, you're going from one thing to another thing and it's, and it's, it's essentially telling a story. So yeah, not all the chapters are going to be good, uh, but you know, I I think it, it works the way that they have it. It, I don't really feel like they needed to, to remove anything and and try and um, cut it down. Yeah, typically I, I'm with you, Dan, on that. We're definitely in the uh, stadium, Arcadium. Oh yeah, I am too. <laughs> uh, example, and we talked about this with these seasons for Weezer. You put out a, a, a typical 40 minute Weezer album made from the best songs of seasons, and you've got actually a really good album. 
but um and i i agree with you on this one zach that um it feels like there's there's a story being told and you've got to get through all of the it 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 may be a little longer than it needed to be maybe cut it down to 30 maybe 28 i don't know but he definitely put in this put in the songs he wanted to put in because he wanted to tell a story and all the parts were necessary for the story that he was telling so i i get it in the uh, in the rock opera um setting but yeah if you're just if you're just putting out a, a rock album this shouldn't be longer than 25 songs at the absolute most in that regard i'm sure you're right i don't know what the story is but like if he if he was trying to get the story told that makes sense on that level but from a purely listening enjoyment um i i found it it was a bit repetitive i don't know maybe it's um the fact that every song pretty much every song was a a full song i know that sounds kind of weird but like if you look at probably one of the more successful rock opera you know double albums the wall i think i think about 10 or 12 of those are not songs really yeah. mean bad out of hell too mm-hmm. <laughs> well yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's a, listen we, we should the probably cover that at some point but, we should um, but uh, but, uh <laughs> meatloaf sack no i'm not done with that. <laughs> um but uh so yeah i, I would say that if he if, if if some of these songs were just like a minute long and just told some story i think it would tighten up the, the album more for me yeah. yeah i just i just found the fact that there's 33 different songs like from the story perspective that may make a ton of sense but from an enjoyment perspective i was like there's a lot of songs that sound very similar to each other and it i think I don't know. Maybe album three is better than I give it credit for because I was just sort of like, okay, more of this, you know, like, I, I don't know, like, uh, and also maybe just more time with it would make me feel better. I did want to mention that um, it's a challenge to come up with song titles. Um, and some of these feel like, like hooray and huzzah and stuff like that yep. sound like he's just, <laughs> running out of ideas yeah uh, which is understandable i mean he's got hundreds Absolutely. of songs out there i'm a hooligan <laughs> i did yep. want to point out i did want to point out that uh harmageddon might be one of the worst song titles i've ever heard in my life uh, animal um, crackers well yes okay fair enough but uh harmageddon is that's a, that's, that's that's truly uh that's truly awful yeah, and also no, it's not good i think i think everyone can we can stop naming songs excelsior I don't, I don't know why that's a thing, but I've heard a lot of songs called Excelsior over the years. And, yeah. You know, anyway. Well, that, also, that's, yeah. that's from the bonus album. So <laughs> right, that's it, bonus album give them a little bit more leeway. And I, I also feel like while I'm looking at the track listing, Necromance is not my favorite pun in the world. Also one that's been made many times. But anyway, Harmageddon stuck out to me as, for the most part, these are decent song titles, but uh, Harmageddon's pretty, pretty bad here. So I, I wanted to mention one more quick thing here. Um, and Zach, you can sort of fact check me, but you know, Eha's back, right? James Eha's back on guitar, yes. and he yeah. was on on um, he was on Seer also, right? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't remember a whole lot of James Eha flavor on Seer, but I do. No. I did notice there were some some sort of distinctive Eha e guitar solos floating around on this one. Um, is that is that basically? am i am i do i have that right it's been a while since we i focused on seer 
Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's what no, I got from it too. You're right. It, it's, it's really hard to pick out anything other than Billy on Seer. Uh, that's, that's why I, I consider it to be, you know, another solo album from him, even though it's a pumpkins record. Um, but definitely on, on autumn, we've got, we've got more stuff there. It, I think it's sometimes it's hard to differentiate. Like I'm pretty sure yes. the Moss, the Moss one might be a Dr- Jeff Schroeder one. Yep. Uh, and, and Billy I, solos too. So it could be, could be, yeah. him, you know, um, it's, it's hard to kind of, uh, yeah, to, to really pick out exactly who's doing what, but, um, but yeah, no, there, there's definitely, there's definitely some Eha there. There's definitely some Schroeder there yeah. and, um, and then occasional Jimmy drum drumming. <laughs> well, and I don't mind about Billy being the predominant force behind the band. It's kind of the way it's always been, but I like it when you get different flavors to mix it up. Yep. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it's really nice to have James Eha feel like he's adding to the sound, you know, and also letting Jeff Schroeder uh, add some, to the, some too. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, and yeah. I just, you know, and Jimmy does on about 10 tracks, you're like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Jimmy Chamberlain. Yeah. And then there's a bunch where you're like, well, I could play this drum part, you know, like, or if it even is being played. Yeah. But uh, I've got, I've got a keyboard here. I can, I can tap out some. (laughs) Yeah. So last time uh, you guys were both not ride or die and I was ride or die. So where, where are we sitting on this one? Let's start with you, Dave. Well, this one brought me back towards being ride or die. Um, I, I don't, I definitely don't have any interest in the, um, monotony of the, uh, middle 2000s 2010s um synth boringness that doesn't interest me at all but i definitely like the way they're going with this yeah it's it's a lot of a lot of music all at once but um i love the sound of several of these tracks so i was pleasantly surprised how about you dan yeah this is much like weezer where it showed me the stuff I like, more stuff that I like than I remember from the previous set of albums, but also still had a, a presence of stuff I don't like as much. I do think that I found more enjoyment in this and it feels like a step forward. Um, I think, I, I mean, I'm still not ride or die, but I know he can write songs that I like still. And it's for, good to hear. Yeah, yeah, it's good to hear that if there's songs coming out that are enjoyable again, you know? Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's the way with with most bands. It's very hard to find a band who puts out, you know, 10 plus albums where you're like, these are the vast majority are, are pretty great. Like, that's hard to find. So it's it's a standard that's tough to meet. But uh, the, the drop for me from my favorite albums to this is still quite precipitous, even if this is this this is a step back towards stuff that I like a little bit more. Um, so not I'm still I'm still not ride or die. But I, you know, I, I enjoyed this more than I, than I thought I might when, when we, uh, we started focusing in on this. How about you, Zach? Yeah. When it, when it first, um, when it first was coming down the pipe and stuff and, and the, and you know, the, the, the way it was released, uh, I wasn't, I was skeptical. I wasn't sure. And, uh, and I was kind of leaning towards the, oh, here we go again, you know, more of the same. Mm -hmm. But once I actually gave it a chance and really like, lived with it for a, a good solid week. Um, I, I, I'm definitely, I, I, I loved it. I, I enjoyed the time I had with it and the, and, um, and it's very memorable and, uh, and I'll, I'll continue to listen to it in the future. Uh, not so much right now because I've listened to it so much in the last week or so. Um, but, uh, but I will definitely revisit it again, uh, in the not too distant future. And, uh, yeah, I'm still, still ride or die pumpkins. 
nice. whatever comes next, I'm gonna I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be lining up for it, and well, not lining up for it, but I'll be. <laughs> you'll I'll be, at, be, you'll uh, be at your keyboard prepared uh, to do what yeah. needs to be done. I'll I'll, I'll get it eventually. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, if you've listened this far, clearly you enjoyed it. Please like, subscribe, and then tell us your uh, favorite Smashing Pumpkins song in the comments. Up next, we are going to be doing a four-part series on uh, the band Aerosmith, covering their, what did it add up to? I think 15 studio albums, plus a whole bunch of bonus material. So uh, wherever you listened to this, you'll be able to find that there. And we also have eight more episodes uh, that we've done prior to this. So go ahead and check those out too. And thanks for listening. I caught it on audio. (laughs) 